Warning, the following episode of That Mental Ginger Show contains strong language and adult themes. Alright, Trip. Hello and welcome to That Mental Ginger Show with your host Andrew Durning aka The Mental Ginger. First of all my three faithful followers I have upgraded the system, I've got better audio, I've actually got headphones and I actually was able to figure out how to adjust the settings so I don't look like a total dick. So it's a, a plus for this episode. And what better way to up the game by bringing on a very revered guest, one of the musicians from the band, the Terror Plane Blues Band, Nick Scarce. Nick, how you doing, buddy? I'm very well, Andrew. How are you? Yeah, doing all right. It's Scrace. Scrace. There we go. Well, it's always good to get that that difference. I should really ask that first, because a lot of people mix up my last name. Because they go, is it it Durning? Is it During? I once had Durney Oing, so they thought it was like Park Spring. That's okay. Well, so it was so, okay. so the yeah, apologies. No problem. But, so one of the first things I like to do, Nick, is to ask my guests about their origin story because if there's one thing that we all have in common, we all have an origins. So Nick, in your own time, tell my three faithful followers your origin story. Well, for me, Andrew, it's all about it's all about blues, basically. It's the way that blues music relates to real life. So about 10 years ago, I put the guitar down. Um, I'd been playing in bands on and off for about 15 years. Spent a lot of that time sort of trying to play what other people wanted to hear. And I got a bit fed up with that. So I put the guitar down and I didn't do much for a while. And then I just really started to want to play music that I enjoyed, that I wanted to listen to, I wanted to hear. And I really just uh, went back to the blues music and started reading lots of books and documentaries and really just fell in love with the with the blues and what it meant and what it meant to me at the time. So I started to look into musicians that I'd never heard of before, people like Elmore James and Robert Johnson and Sun House, and then started to learn more about the blues men that I knew, like John Lee Hooker and Harry Wolf and, of course, Muddy Waters. Um, so then that really made me want to go down the journey of, of learning about the blues and playing it. Mm. So I remember spending a lot of time um, at home, just playing and playing and playing until I finally felt I wanted to go out and play live. So I started doing some open mic nights in Bristol and really started to sort of hone my craft of, of guitar playing and singing the blues. Um, and eventually that led on to meeting up with Eduardo uh, Allen, the harmonica player, and we started the Terraplanes together, uh, and that was eight years ago, and um, really we're still still on the journey, you know, it's only just started for us, but um, that's the origin of my story when it comes to music and, and the blues. Yeah. So what do you think made the blues connect with you so much? Well, like I think, like you said, you know, um, when you listen to blues music, the emotion and the lyrics, the fact that it's people talking about their real life and you can relate it to your own life um, every time you listen to a blues song, you hear it differently. 
the second time than you did the first because there's so much meaning to the lyrics and the feeling that comes through that music, through the guitar playing, being a guitar player. I was really fascinated by the slide guitar and the, the way that they sang their songs to accompany that. So it was one man on a guitar nearly a hundred years ago playing music and it is, is still better than anything I've heard come out in the last 20 years you know it's timeless music and the way that the lyrics relate to real life really just stuck with me and it still does today i think you're on a winner there with it practically everything since 2004 has not really been of the best quality music wise but then again we can't exactly count your band into that because you were what obviously in this time frame you were what 2014 my maths is right. yeah, 2014 Hey, I got maths off the top of my head. I'm not totally daft. Uh, so we can't count your band in it because I've heard some no, of the ter- I've heard some of the Terraplanes work so far, and it's really, really good. Well, um, I like to think that I'm quite eclectic when it comes to music, but blues I've only had very limited experience with, like like some of the artists that you've mentioned. Well, and I'm, now that you've mentioned them, I can hear where the influences have came from. But how did you and the rest of the bandmates meet up? I know you said you kind of met through kind of open mics, but how did you kind of progress to what you have become so far? Well, when I met Eduardo, I was playing, um, yeah, open mic nights and various harmonica players uh, would come and play and we'd play a few songs and it was great. And one day me and Eduardo met in a bar and... um, he said, I can play, you know, I've got a harmonica in my pocket. And so he came up and played and we immediately hit it off. And we did some really good things as a duo during that time in 2014. We played the Ox Jam Festival. We played at Moles Club in Bath, uh, which is a really nice venue down in the southwest of England. Mm. Um, but the songs that I was writing, basically, they were more geared for a four-piece band. So it just seemed natural then to, to progress to the four-piece. And that's what we did. I mean... It's been eight years now, and we've had various different bass players and drummers. Um, but the drummer that's with us, Tom Turner, has been with us since 2015, so a huge part of the band and a great drummer. Mm. And Andy Wood on the bass guitar, this is his actually his, his second stint with the Terraplanes as the bass player, but he's a um, fantastic player that just fits so well with the rhythm section. So even now, the songs that I write, they're more geared for a four-piece band. So that was how we came about, and... It's all with a shared love of, of authentic blues. I mean, we take influences from people like Elmore James and John Lee Hooker, and we like to mix up the old style country blues with, you know, bands like the Stones, the Kinks, and that real, the sound that you can you can spot straight away, that British R&B 60s groove. We put those two together, and, and um, that's what makes the sound of the Terraplanes. Something I've always found really fascinating, like when you're in the studio and you're saying like you're going to be maybe like a blues band and then you start to kind of just naturally experiment with different type of styles to fit in with the roots. Like you said, you, you mix in a wee bit of R&B, you mix in a little bit of the 60s rock. And it's always quite interesting to to hear that. Do you think kind of as an artist, that's what what we're all about, like natural progression of music and experimentation? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, you can experiment too much, really. 
and mm. you can overproduce records and uh, you know where does it stop when you start going down that road we like the sound of the blues to be raw we like the sound of, of our music to be almost as if you're listening to it live you know so you mm. when you're in the studio you're trying to catch that live energy and that's what you want to put on the record I don't want to listen to overproduced rock or blues rock I like authentic blues and um, that's why the band we're always on the same page we've always come from that angle yes we like bands like the Stones, the early Stones, because that is still, that's authentic blues music right there, you mm -hmm. know. So that's what we listen to, and we don't want something that's overproduced. We're in the middle of producing our own album at the moment, and um, the 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 music that we've, we've, we've recorded is so raw, so nice, that we don't want to overproduce that and lose any of that, that so quality, so... So let's talk a bit about the recording process since you're obviously mentioned you're recording your album. One of the things that I found when I was doing what some of the recordings that you could either record just in a one take as a band while all playing at once or you could yeah. what do what one instrument and one instrument and then kind of mix and master it together. What style does the Terraplanes fall into? Do you all prefer to like do it all together on a one-hour or do you just have a couple of things where you mix it up or what's your process? Well, <laughs> A little bit of absolutely everything that you just said basically we yeah. uh the album that we recorded some of it is recorded live with the whole band and then we were overdub some uh, shakers and second guitar and redo the vocals but there are some tracks which we have uh, multi-tracked individually so we lay down the, the the rhythm guitar and the drums and then we'll layer everything else on the yeah. top of that i mean the ep that we did bring out in may of 2020 we recorded that all live the band was live the whole time and we uh then re recorded the vocals over the top but for this record some songs felt natural to do it like that and we did but some songs really uh because of time issues as well and just how it was better suited to that song we recorded them individual tracks and um that's what we're mixing and, and putting together at the moment how did you find a uh, recording like during lockdown because we went to lockdown march 2020 you said you were recording the album in may but did you uh, did you just have to be a bit more kind of aware of you know how to space it out with social distancing hand sanitizers and stuff like that because i had to record uh, my cover in july of that year and we were like we had to be ocd with it even though it was uh, starting to ease off by that point well we were lucky actually andrew because we released it in may but we recorded the ep uh, over one weekend on the 1st of February. Oof. So we had it recorded, we had it produced, we had it ready, and then lockdown hit, and our choice was to not release and just kind of wait, or to carry on and put it out. So that was a tough decision, but hmm. we decided to put it, put the record out. You know, we, we put out the first single, which was Midnight Train, um, which was also the name of the EP, hmm. and I mean, as a musician, I'd never had any music played on the radio, never had any of this stuff, but the lockdown actually gave me time as the sort of manager of the band, as well as the, the, the front man, to contact everybody and make friends with all these different radio stations. And I didn't yeah. even know there were so many out there. And I managed, and we together managed to get the, the record out, promote it, and it got played endlessly, still getting played on radios 
nearly two years, you know, that's about 18 months since we released. So mm. um, we didn't actually record it during lockdown. We were basically all stuck at home for eight months, the same as everybody else. But we, mm. we kept in touch via Zoom, kept releasing singles. When we had breaks in lockdown, we made the video for our song, The Rambler. And then uh, later on in the year, in October, during another break in lockdown, we made a video for our song, Malted Milk. Yeah. Other than that, we were all at home like everybody else. Mm-hmm. I have to say, I think my favourite track of yours is definitely the Rambler. It's got that. It's got that raw kind of vibe yeah. that you were talking about earlier. I think that's a, uh, if there's something to epitomise the sound that you're looking for with aeroplanes, it's definitely that. What would you say is probably your best track, like the one you maybe had the most fun recording? I think the Midnight Train was the one that we were we had the studio for two days and we were a little bit inexperienced so we were kind of told you know try and get one song get one song that you want to get right and focus on that song and that was always midnight train and when we recorded it we were on such a high that day in the studio that we ended up laying down two more songs and then the next day we came back and did two more so five in total but it was all hinging on how we wanted Midnight Train to sound. So that really is the song that I'm most proud of. Um, it might be my best song. I don't know. We've got some absolutely great songs on this new album. So, But I enjoyed recording Midnight Train and the satisfaction that we got from that single track gave us uh, the impetus on that weekend to, to finish what we started and come away with an EP in a weekend which uh, is still, 18 months later, is still getting lots of attention. Mm. It's something that's quite, I think only, only artists can really understand it, see when you're in that studio environment. Once you get that one track down, it's like the floodgates inspiration just seem to open, don't they? Well, and it's like you said, you wrote another two what, in that day alone. You were like, right, let's get this yeah. down, let's get it sorted. Yeah. Well, you just get yeah. into that flow. Yeah. You mean, there might be songs that you enjoy recording more, but that one, for us, it, everything was on on that track. And I remember sitting sitting in the studio, the booth, the next next to the window, and listening back to it. I still remember that now, the feeling that we had, and yeah, how good the track sounded. So definitely that one for me. Yeah, there's nothing like it. As there's when you first hear your own track back, and you go, "We done that." We recorded that. It's it's a feeling that a lot of people don't understand unless they're in the industry, well, or have had experience with it. So you mentioned that you were. So you mentioned that you were doing a lot of the promoting, the marketing, the contacting of the radio stations. When I was having to do that for uh, Flower of Scotland, I found it was a major ball buster. Well, because well, some of them just wouldn't give you the time of day. Others would say, "Oh, send it. We'll get back to you." Well, but you just be left hanging on. You're still hanging on. But then you get the ones that were really, really interested and wanted to play your stuff. Through the kind of, yeah. th- did you have like a kind of s- slew of, oh, we'll get back to you, or just no contacts? And if so, how did you manage uh, to cope when it came to like the mental health aspect of it, of going, right, I've got knocked down, but we've got something, let's keep going? Well, it definitely is that. You have to keep going. You know, one thing I did learn was, you know, <laughs> it's, it, you have to believe in, in what you're doing. You have to feel positive about 
that what you're doing is good and, and it's valid. Um, so when I approach releasing this record, I've got all that experience from, from the last year and a half to put into this new release. But back then, I didn't know any radio station DJs. I didn't know anybody who would review the EP, which was seemed to be really important. You've got to get somebody to review it. And I was, mm. I was really kind of stressed because I didn't know anybody. I was kind of being told, well, you can look worldwide, look worldwide for people to review your, your music. But that's really difficult. But we were lucky with the genre of blues in the UK because I started to find out that there was an organization of DJs in the UK called the Independent Blues Broadcasters Association. Mm-hmm. And you can send an email and that gets sent to all the DJs that produce probably about 90 shows throughout the UK every day uh, just devoted to blues music. So I managed to find who they were. I sent the email. I made up a, a press kit, like a mini website, sent it out with a press release, which I wrote. And all of this stuff you have to learn to do yourself as a musician. If uh, you haven't got somebody to do it and you want to succeed in your band, somebody has to take the reins and learn how to do half the stuff that you don't want to pay somebody else to do. Yeah. So, yeah, you have to overcome lots of hurdles, really, and think to yourself, you know, if I want this done, I have to do it myself. And you have to just remain positive. Bear in mind, I was at home, homeschooling two children. My wife's a nurse. And we were on lockdown. Mm. So Let's just, touch uh, on that for a little bit. Yeah. I'm a father as well, as we spoke about before we went on air. Uh, my wife works for the NHS as well. She's the she's a domestic. You'd never say cleaner because she'd bat me one. I'd be coming on with a black eye if I said that. But so, how did you find like kind of balancing that, especially the homeschooling aspect? Because I was quite lucky that the boys were at nursery, so we didn't need to worry about that part. What was that like homeschooling? Well, it was it was enjoyable for about a week. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I mean, my wife was a, an intensive care nurse, so she was in mm. um, two, three days a week, um, and we homeschooled, and that was just, you know, you, it seems a long time ago now, Andrew, you know, actually mm. trying, to, trying to think, but we did homeschool the kids, and we did, we were lucky, we had a hot summer down here, we played in the garden, um, but the nurses just kept working through it all. So mm-hmm. I lived with it. I lived with it coming home um, and seeing the effects of it and how it played on her mental health yeah. and the well-being of everybody in our family. You know, because it became very insular about looking after yourself, looking after each other. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe the music gave me something to focus on because I was at home a lot. You know, even though we were home and we were all stuck, and there was still time to fill. And everybody knows everybody finds something to fill their time. Mm. And uh, for me, I just threw myself into the promotion and management of getting the music of the band out there. We chose to release it, so let's go 100% with promoting it. Do you think promoting might be something that you might consider as a wee side hustle, like down the line, since you figured out the kind of ropes and maybe educating? Well, lesser experienced bands about right these are the experiences that I went through let's not have you guys make the same mistake that's something that could maybe interest you down the line 
I'm not sure. I mean, someone recently said to me that uh, you'd actually make a good band manager, but if, if you know, in the future, because you seem to know your way around. I don't really have a passion for that at the moment. I'm focused on on being a manager of a band is like all this work and you don't get to do any gigs to have a release. So mm. I still enjoy being a musician. I still enjoy writing songs and singing the blues. And I still am really, really loving playing with the guys in the band. Yeah. So, so let's talk about the band. Let's get let's give you the, the royal bum up that you definitely deserve. So talk about what gigs are coming up for you. What's in store for 2022 for the Terraplanes Blues Band? Well, lots of possibilities at the moment. Uh, not too many concrete bookings to talk of at the moment, but we played at uh, the Radford Mill Festival of Rhythm and Blues back in August. We certainly hope we'll be returning there next year. Again, um, Gaz Mail's Rockin' Blues Club in Soho is a place that we played in, in July. And we're hoping to go back there um, around about the Easter holidays. The album is going to be coming out in, well, I can give you a bit of an exclusive. Uh, Whoa, I mean, this, is, this is actually a first exclusive. I am pumped for this. Fire away, buddy. Well, we haven't released this to anybody at the moment. We're still mixing and mastering the album. I mm. think we're, we're scheduled for sort of maybe, hopefully, February 2022. Mm. We do hope to bring a single out, but I want to re reveal that the album name is going to be called Stepping Stones. It's ah. the first time I've told that to anybody. Uh, so what? It's one of the tracks on the album. And it feels why, like a great name. Why specifically Stepping Stones? Is there a meaning behind it? Is there a meaning behind the song itself? I'm just trying to dig well, for any more dirt, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, we threw a lot of names around this, and we've been planning this album for a long time. And uh, the album name has changed lots of times. But the one I wanted at the, at the beginning was Stepping Stones, and we've gone back to it, and it's it's the perfect name. The reason is, is that when you're being an independent band and you're trying to do your own thing in music, you there are many opportunities for other people to use you as a stepping stone. And we we certainly don't want to go down that road. Um, mm. Even though it's been eight years in the making of this album, this is this is just the beginning for the Terraplanes. It's not the end of anything. So we feel that this first album is a stepping stone on so many bigger things. And it's an absolutely blinding song and um, it seems to fit well. So nobody's heard us mention that name before. So that's an exclusive for your show. The Terraplanes Blues Band's album will be called Stepping Stones. Yep. See, as long as your other bandmates don't kill me for you dropping that exclusive, I'm A-OK -okay with that. I don't want to have to put a censor in afterwards. It's too much hard work trying to do that. No, right. it's all, it's all cool. So, any plans to come to Scotland? Actually, I think there possibly might be. We did... Um, one of the really great things we did during lockdown was we did an hour, uh, a two-hour show on Sterling City Radio. Nice. A DJ called Jeff Campbell. I don't know if you know Jeff, he presents the Totally Blues show. Yeah, he knocked, he knocked me back. Someone on radio knocked me back from my single. Wankers. But that's a, <laughs> that's just, that was my experience. I'm sure they were very lovely with you and especially with the blues sound. What, um, yeah. so, are they, so are they inviting you back up to, to grace the boards well, of Sterling? I think we might be going up to stay with Jeff while we um, 
possibly base ourselves there to do a gig, maybe one in Glasgow, one in Edinburgh, if we can fit it in. I also, during the lockdown, yeah. made a good friend from, I think he lives in Hallowa, his name is Ian Donald, mm. great slide guitar player, and uh, one half of uh, Sister Gavin and the Gator, who are sort of a blues male-female duo. Nice. And he's a, good, he's a good friend, even though we've never met. So I would love to come to Scotland, either on my own to do a show with Ian or to bring the whole band up. So yeah. If you come to Glasgow... Come to Glasgow, I recommend King Tut's Wah Wah Hut, especially if it's a blues kind of vibe. They do a lot of the up-and-coming guys. I mean, guys like Kings of Leon and stuff got uh, some of the big breaks there. What? It's an incredible venue. What? Um, yeah. I, I know many bands that have performed there. I've seen three. <laughs> That's just because you got a wife and wife and kids and, you know, the life. You know, you know that yourself. So let's talk. So here's a question for the touring aspect. Have you cleared that with a wife yet? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe so. I think we're all good. You I have that. You have that same reservation that I do when I say to Alison, "I'm going to get guests into the studio, what to do a recording around the dining room." It's just that kind of. Yeah, yeah. She, she's yeah. cool. She's fine with it. Yeah, she is uh, fine because the, the the tour that we want to do, we're all working. So, um, the music. You know, we love the music, but we all have got jobs and families mm. so what i'm what i'm trying to do is maybe during the, the the easter holidays of next year is to plan plan a tour of about eight or ten dates over a two or two week period so we can base ourselves at home and we can try and uh you know there's gonna be a lot of traveling mm. not much overnight stays obviously if we come to scotland we would come and stay for two nights and try and do two gigs two days well, if you want to crash I'm at my couch, what well, you want to crash at my couch one of the nights, you're more than welcome. Just yourself, I don't all think all I could. Four, all four of us. I was going to say just yourself. I don't think I could fit a full band on the couch. It is very comfortable, but yeah, yeah there might be some slippage. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll make some plans, but yeah. Well, there's a hotel right across the road for us as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I can I can put a good word in for you there. Well, I've bought many a takeaway for there several times. Where Where are you? Are you based in Glasgow? Yeah, Coat Bridge, so it's about 20 minutes away from Glasgow. Well, and if you really need it, I can always give you my parking pass and you can just park up in there. Okay. <laughs> yep. So we're starting to come up on time, so I'll round off with the question that I ask all of my uh, many, many entertaining guests. And once again, Nick, you have been absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much for coming on. Well, thanks for having me. Yep. So if you could give one piece of advice to anybody that is struggling with mental health issues, what would that piece of advice be? And why? Yeah, it's a tough question. Yeah, it's a tough question. That's um, why I ask it. Specifically regarding to music or just in general? Well, that's an interesting question in itself. You're the first guest that has actually wanted to get a categorization of it. I well, think you know, I think I'm, it's I'm more. Not a health expert, so I'm not really the best to be giving solid advice you know. they're actually the best people to give advice well, because I have no fucking clue about mental health yet I do a podcast about it but it's because I've been through it myself and I've been through the crap that's came along with it so all the doctors that say to you you know you could do this or that nine times out of ten they haven't even had any experience with it themselves they don't know but someone Joe blogs on the street who's been through the hardships they're the best person to talk to well I would say basically you know Stay close with the people that, that you love, the people that love you. 
because they're the ones that give you the most support and the most honest and unwavering support. Um, try not to listen to the voices in your head too much. Listen to the people that love you and take each day, try and smile and enjoy the small things in life because really those are the big things. Now you said that, that was a tough question. That just naturally rolled off your tongue. Did you want me? Did you just want me to I talk? Didn't write anything down. I did write anything down. Did you just want me to talk shite for a couple of minutes so you could get the chance to think and go? Ah, now I've got an answer and it's freaking profound. Yeah. Well, definitely. Like sometimes mental health is a bit like Ron Seal. Just do exactly what it says in the tin. Yeah, you have to. You have to just yeah. keep going. You have to keep going. Yeah. Well. Now we come to Bristol's favourite segment, it is Ask Andrew Anything. Now for the regular listeners, this is when after grilling my guest for 28 minutes and 40 seconds, they get to turn the tables on me and they can ask me a question. It can be something as mundane as what's your favourite colour, to who would win the fight between a genetically flawed lump fish and a cat. So, Nick, do you have a question for this mental ginger? Or do you want me to waffle for a couple of minutes to talk shit so you've actually got a question? <laughs> well, it's, I'm just going to keep it simple. What Are you a musician? Dabbled. Dabbled. Well, uh, I always rather wanted to be an actor, but music always seemed to be the bit that got me the attention well, that, I was, okay. that I was craving. You wanted to be an actor. My daughter wants to be an actress. She's only seven. So mm. who's your favourite actor? Favourite actor? Hmm. Very, very good question. And why? <laughs> right. So, my favourite actor is Ryan Reynolds. Well, um, first first of all, um, he's Deadpool. Deadpool's my favourite anti-hero. Love that. But I followed his career what, since I was uh, about teenage mark, 15, 16, and he was in a sitcom called Two Guys and a Girl. Ah, uh, Pizza Place. Yes, yes. The Pizza Place was first, and then they dropped the Pizza Place when they started getting older. And he was always the kind of standout actor in it. I mean, it had Nathan Fillion in it as well, so that was that says it all for the credibility. But he was able to go from being like really funny in some scenes and then flip it on a dime to being quite serious. And I remember going to see, it was the remake of the Amityville Horror. Now that film itself was an absolute dumpster fire. But one of the things I loved about it was seeing Reynolds' range, because you'd only seen him in, you know, Van Wilder and all those type of co- uh, like you know frat house comedies as they call them in America and they were all like oh he's just so funny he's so outrageous and then getting to see him going to play a serial killer I was like hmm it was quite interesting didn't think he had this range and then the film that really solidified it for me was a film called Buried and it's essentially the guy is buried alive yeah. Well, and he's stuck it, and he's stuck in there for ninety minutes, and you don't know whether he's gonna live or die. And the way that they filmed it as well, he was actually in a box shaped like a coffin, and he only had one entrance and exit to his left hand side. So every movement that he made and every turn that he had to do was authentic to how it would be if you were trapped, what well, in a box underground. Yeah. And it was just such what well, a roller coaster of emotions. It was one of those ones that I wa- I could watch it once, but it would always stick with me and it always has stuck with me and that's just down to like the incredible acting that Reynolds had yeah so yeah he's, he's the there. actor I like his films he's good in Deadpool yep I do he's, like him. he's yeah. absolutely brilliant wee bit of uh, knowledge for you you know everybody goes nuts about the whole 
what Deadpool where he had his mouth sewn shut in Origins Wolverine. Ryan Reynolds yes, Ryan Reynolds did not actually play that part of it. Because he's a massive fan of Deadpool and when he found out that's what they were doing to the character, he refused point blank to do it and just said, Get get a stunt double or something, I'm not do I'm not doing that. The stuff before it with Wade obviously it was him. Well, and you could tell that, you could tell how he played it, but when they found out that was the direction they were going, he told him to shove it and off he went. So, that's another reason why I like him, he had a bit of integrity. I also love the fact in the first Deadpool, once it was wrapped and they had no clue if it was going to be successful or not, he walked out with the suit and the costume department was like, you can't take that suit, you can't do that. And he went, you know how a good actor I am. I did all the sword fighting stunts myself. Do you really want to try and take this off me? And off he went. <laughs> so you just never threaten a guy that knows how to use a katana, man. <laughs> And I'll get, since you mentioned that your daughter wants to be uh, an actress, well, and yeah. well, I, I first found out that I wanted to be, well, do acting when I was six, and your daughter was seven, so it's about that age mark. Well, so I'll give, I'll give one piece of advice for your daughter, if I may, for the acting side. Oh. Don't let anybody put you off. Nobody. Not. Yeah. Not friends, not family, nothing. If you think this is what you want to do, this is what you think you're you're good at, and it's something that you love, just tunnel vision on it, laser focus. That's what you want to do, and go for it. And remember, and always remember, it's like everything else. You're not just born gifted. That's a load of bollocks. It's like every other skill. You've got to hone it. You've got to craft it. What and what. If, even if she thinks, oh, I'm not good, she will get good. With enough practice, yeah. with enough time, well, yeah. she will do brilliantly if she's got the right she mindset. Because I'm, I looked at like some of the acting stuff I'd done when I was younger, and I thought, I am shit. I am totally horrible. And then, as I got older, I realised it's just like everything else. You've just got to train. You've just got to put the work in. And then I'm eventually going to everybody else. Get up, you. This ginger got apart. And not only that, you got the lead. Round you. So, yeah. if there's, so, if there's any advice that I can give to her, just go for it. I'll pass it on, mate. I'll pass it on. I, yeah. yeah. Obviously, I'm without the... That, you know, you obviously, without the swearing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Without yeah. the swearing and the bird. I'll, uh, yeah. I'll try and edit it out for her. Yeah. At, at, least, at least make it, you know, like the, the flying V. That's the acceptable one for when they get to about 10. <laughs> Nick, it's, Nick, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, buddy. Well, I oh, could, thanks for asking me, mate. Yeah, I could, pro really good. Really enjoyed I, it. I could probably talk to you all night, but, well, you're a family man like myself. We try and take advantage of any alone time that we get, well, and I'll probably end up crashing on the couch tonight. It's quite comfortable. This is quiet time. Yeah, definitely. That's the advantage. Yeah, yeah definitely. Well, I, I look forward to what the release of your EP. Keep me updated with any what events. Like, um, Take it we can find you at all the all the socials, like you know, the Facebook, the Twitter, yeah, all that stuff. Well, no, we don't do Twitter. Um, very impressed, Facebook. very impressed. Yeah, I don't do that. Uh, mm. we have a YouTube channel and you can find it all on the website www.theterraplanesbluesband.com. Everything's on there. Brilliant. Well, guys, you heard it from the horse's mouth. Not that he looks like a horse if you're watching on YouTube, he's a very handsome man. Well, <laughs> Uh, so, you've heard it from him. Get on to the Terraplanes website, check them out, pre-order their EP, look forward to their yeah. singles, 
I definitely Hopefully reckon we're coming to a time near you next year when we tour. Well, and, if, and if you're not, well, I'll make sure that you are. So yeah. until next time, my three faithful followers, I have been Andrew Durning. This has been Nick Scrace. Nick Scrace, oh, yes! 35 minutes and I finally got it right. <laughs> from the, remember it now. Nick Scrace from the Terraplanes Blues Band. So until next time, take, take care, stay safe. Thank you. Bye-bye.